We are go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Vampires, werewolves, ghouls, ghosts. Mummies that come back to life after 3,000 years. Can such things be? Well, I've spent a lifetime doing my best to persuade you, at least for an hour or two in a darkened theater, that there are things that go bump in the night and raise a lump in your throat, a hard knot of terror. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. By my side, as always, is Chief Engineer Bob in our command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is our reconnaissance officer, Karen. Today's mission takes us to explore classic universal monsters. We scoured Planet 8 and the known galactic universe for an authority who could definitively help us through this episode and we could not find one so in lieu of said uh, guest we have lord blood raw and and i just welcome lord blood raw to planet eight uh lord, lords and ladies yes sir <laughs> uh, lord blood raw uh, we're going to give all his information at the end of the show but um if, if you're not familiar with him, by the end of the podcast, you most certainly will be. Uh, just a plethora of information. If you get a chance to catch one of his live shows, I, I highly recommend it. Um, we're going to jump straight into this. Lord Blood Raw, we're talking about Universal Monsters, the classics. Oh, yes. Do you recall your first viewing of a Universal Monster movie? Where were you? What was it? And... and it was so long ago, but I believe <laughs> it was probably around Halloween time. I was a child, I want to say around 10, 11, and I'm pretty sure it was Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein. Yes. Because one of the earliest memories I have is that animated beginning right. with the monsters walking against the, the moonlit sky and the, just in silhouette. The wolf man and then the bones. <clears throat> exactly, yeah. exactly. That's my earliest memory of the Universal Monsters. My earliest memory of them as kind of a phenomenon mm-hmm. was reading um, my cousin's copy of Famous Monsters of Filmland uh-huh. with, um, I believe, Bela Lugosi from Mark of the Vampire was on the cover. And um, it just blew me away. I remember sitting there being entranced with this whole world. And then I just caught, you know... As I'm sure anybody living in where, where I am from, the San right. Francisco Bay Area, caught all these films on Bob Wilkins' Creature Features. Right. And um, that just opened up the entire world of Universal Monsters to me. Well, let's kick it over to our chief engineer, Bob. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area and Channel 2 had mm-hmm. 
the Universal Monster Library. So you'd see it on Creature Features, you'd see it on Chiller Dealer Matinee, mm-hmm. right. and uh, <clears throat> you'd die, you know, even Dying for Dollars every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Pat McCormick in the afternoon, Bob yeah. March in the morning, whatever, they'd be showing movies and calling people and giving yeah. money away. But, um, you know, I, I want to say the first one I saw might have been Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, Monsters always always fighting each other. That always gets my blood going. So, uh, you know, definitely from there, you know, you want to search out all the different ones. And, you know, watching, you know, Creature Features and Bob Wilkins, you know, he ran those quite a bit. You yeah. Know? So uh, oh, yeah. that's what kind of like set them aside from like the other channels that had like the AIP library or mm-hmm. something else, you know, two had like Universal and Hammer and all that. So you'd see the Universal versions of the monsters you see the mm-hmm. hammer versions of the monsters mm-hmm. and uh yeah i mean it was definitely definitely hooked from there right i remember right. it being a huge deal when the original 1931 frankenstein yes. played. it was like oh this, this is the first <laughs> yeah. one this is the original one this is amazing you know and what a what a captivating film yeah absolutely I mean, for the it's not only for the time but just such a such a classic just the the direction the acting the breakout performance by Karloff as a monster right. well plus it's amazing from there you know you see which I think is the best of all the Universal Monster movies is Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. and just uh, that's a movie I can to this day watch over and over anytime oh, yeah. and, right. and still enjoy oh yeah, yeah let's kick it up to the satellite Karen Hey guys. Um, well, similar to you guys, although I grew up in the uh, Central Coast region of California, uh, close to Los Angeles, so we got all the Los Angeles stations, and uh, there are quite a few different uh, channels that did the monster shows. And I'm not sure exactly which was the first uh, that I saw, but my mom was a huge fan of old movies and especially of horror films. Hmm. And so I'm, I have a lot of strong memories of the original Frankenstein and, uh, and just all of those really uh, impressionistic shots of like the monster coming out from the darkness with the light behind him shining and uh, kind of crouching and just uh, sometimes not even particular scenes, but just the angles of his head and things like that. Um, that really stuck with me over the years, and and the thing is, is I never even thought of the the monster uh, as being scary. You know, there was always that element of sympathy, mm-hmm. and especially with, uh, uh, you know, he was always being chased by the villagers and things like that. And so I always saw him as a sympathetic character, mm-hmm. and and which caused some problems in school because I was always drawing Frankenstein when I was little and (laughs) (laughs) the the teachers would contact my mother and say, oh, she's drawing Frankenstein. Is there something wrong? Um, But yeah, certainly um, those films imprinted on me at a very early age, just like I'm sure most of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that uh, first, the shot where you first see the monster, he backs into the room and then turns Mm -hmm. and those those progressive... uh, push-ins on his face. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And the subtlety of the entire film, um, even before that, it opens with a funeral. And, um, right, right. When, you know, with uh, the doctor and uh, Fritz mm-hmm. waiting for the funeral to and be over. And the bell, you know, from and, just all the little pieces of the film. Exactly. Just, 
Exactly. And, and, and digging the body up, he literally throws dirt into a statue of death's face mm-hmm. behind him. He throws right. dirt in the face of death. Amazing. Amazing it, it, touch. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm with uh, Bob and uh, Lord Bloodraw growing up in the Bay Area, Bob Wilkins on Creature Features. Mm-hmm. Um, I would watch it. <laughs> My mother was a huge fan, is a huge fan of genre films and the monster films. And, you know, six, seven, eight years old, I'm not understanding everything, but she would explain to me that, you know, the monster is misunderstood. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he made a mistake or, you know, something like that. Or same with the creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, they're chasing him. It was humanity that was the villain more so, you know, or the monster more so than the monster, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, they, th- those films just, they resonate. And uh, as uh, luck would have it, if you're listening to this podcast as it pops up um, within about a week on the 28th of August, Bob, is it 28th? 28th of August. 28th of yeah. August. Universal is going to be releasing 30, 36 films? 30. 30 films on Blu-ray. It'll be a, a set. You can find it online or, or in a brick-and-mortar shop. And so uh, we're just going to keep on discussing these Universal monsters. And, and uh, we uh, go back to Lord Blood Raw. What are some of the uh, uh, iconic uh, moments uh, in, in some other films? Say, like Dracula oh. or... Uh, Right, because that Dracula strikes me as being unique in that there wasn't a lot of music in the film, you know, and in Frankenstein, oh, Bride of Frankenstein, right. there's none. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, right. Swan so, Lake in the beginning, that's it, and that's it for Dracula yeah. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then, how did that mood? I mean, w- they filmed the thing during the day, and then they did the Hispanic version at ah, well, night. How, yes, yes, yes. So, um, well, the the mood of the film is uh, of the Lugosi version, mm-hmm. directed by Todd Browning, is I think captured by the silence. There was a special version that was released with a um, Philip Glass, Philip Glass, yeah, yeah uh, soundtrack to it. I, I, it it works, but it's not as creepy as mm-hmm. the, the dead silence. So it didn't enhance it in any way. I, for... I didn't think so. Okay. I, I didn't think so. No, um, just the the gothic look of it and mm-hmm. Lugosi's um, portrayal of that character. Wow. Kind of, he does everything almost at just three-quarter speed. You mm-hmm. know? And you talk about iconic moments in Dracula. It's not quite an iconic moment, but it impresses me every single time I see it when he's got Renfield sitting in front of him uh, drawing you know, with the papers and stuff. And Lugosi says, this is very old wine. And in the scene... He's staring right at um, Renfield, staring him dead in the eye, but he's reaching over and grabbing a bottle and a goblet and pouring. Mm. And I'm thinking, how did that take multiple shots? (laughs) That movement was just so perfect and so supernatural in the way he's holding. He's holding Renfield's gaze like a like a cobra would hold the right. know, gaze of a mongoose. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. It's just really, really an incredible shot. Well, was it? Am I right in thinking that Lugosi at the time was almost doing a lot of his dialogue phonetically? You know, that is. I think that's more of an urban legend. Um, I really do. I mean, he was not as proficient as he became later in English. But you know, by the time he did the movie. He had played Dracula on Broadway right. for years. That's yeah. true. Yeah, he yeah. had to he had to petition 
uh, Universal to, to do that movie. Here's something interesting about the Universal films is, um, of course, Dracula was the first one in 1931 mm-hmm. that's kicked off the entire monster cycle for Universal. Yeah. Lon Chaney Sr., that film was essentially meant for him. If Lon Chaney Sr. had lived, he probably would have been Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy. Mm. He probably would have mm-hmm. been all of those characters. Wow. If he had lived. He died, mm. I believe... Um, it was 20, uh, 29 or 30. I think he died in 30, mm-hmm. 1930, and the movie was made in 30 into 31. Right. And um, it would be interesting to see what C- uh, Lon Chaney Sr. would have done with that role, with all of those mm-hmm. roles, especially Frankenstein. Well, some alternate yeah. universe that might have yeah. happened. I, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think now, so. Now, I know originally we were, we were kind of talking about the Todd Browning version versus the Spanish version. Yes. Oh, yes. So, yeah, yeah. If you want to hear um, on that. I love the Todd Browning Lugosi mm-hmm. version, but that Spanish version, uh, director I believe was George Melford, mm. is technically a, a better film. What but Todd they, Browning they used all of the same sets, and all the same and, sets. Yeah, yeah, what they did was they brought in the the Spanish crew at night after the day crew had filmed their scenes for Dracula, and they had the advantage of seeing the dailies. That Todd Browning was shooting. Oh, okay. So the director basically <laughs> said, "Well, I can do better than that." You know, and Todd Browning. I mean, admittedly, um, it's almost as if once they get out of that castle and he gets to London, yeah. he's almost shooting a play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. you, you can see it's it's very stagey. It's 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 almost as though he's shooting something like right off of a Broadway stage. Whereas George Melford, uh, his version is much more cinematic. Dracula's appearance in, uh, in in the Lugosi version. Renfield looks up, Dracula's right there, he's in the full shot. Mm-hmm. In the Spanish, in George Melford's version, Renfield hears a sound behind him, turns, and there's this long, sweeping crane shot that goes up the stairs and then lands on Dracula. Right. That mm-hmm. is really, it's wonderful, it's a great moment, you know. Spanish film doesn't have the performances mm-hmm. that that the English film does, but um, it's still it's technically a better film. It would be interesting to see what Melford would have done with Lugosi, yeah, yeah, and and the cast of the of the English Dracula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say that was the one film where Mother told me, "No, he is a monster." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing redeeming yeah. about Dracula. Yeah. No, absolutely true, uh-huh. absolutely right. Yeah, he is. Uh, he relishes what he. Does he enjoys what he's doing? He was, he was evil <laughs> incarnate. But but then what about Imhotep in the Mummy? Because the uh, Mummy is in many ways a remake of Dracula. Oh yes, true. Yeah. So so can we say that he's redeemable? His he's in love, but he's yeah. he's still a pretty awful guy. <laughs> he's obsessed with his love, and nothing else nothing else matters. Yeah. But bringing back bringing back the princess that he's determined to bring to bring back as a matter of fact um there were entire it's funny the the universal monster movies along the way have created these kind of um uh lost moments that uh would be wonderful to find again in the mummy there was an entire scene remember the scene where karloff is there with um the 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 female lead of the movie and they're looking into the pool and it's the whole thing of how he became the mummy and right. stole the mm-hmm. stole the scrolls. Da, da, da. That's a much longer sequence 
there were scenes filmed in different historical periods where he catches up with right. her and loses her again. Catches mm. up with her and loses her again. I've seen a couple of stills. One, I think, was from around the time of the French Revolution or something like that. Oh, wow. All of these scenes were filmed, but they were cut out. Huh. Yeah, these yeah, are I remember kind of, reading about that. Yeah, these are kind of holy grails of film that would be wonderful to find and see again. Let me, let me ask you all this. Yeah. Uh, the difference between Emotep and, yes. and Dracula. Emotep didn't really relish or, or and I don't want to say enjoy it. He was cursed. Dracula, I guess, was cursed, but Dracula was fine with it. I, I, I felt that Dracula, <laughs> you know. Um, what is your guys' take on it? I mean, it. I think he enjoyed his power. Yeah, Dracula, yeah. Dracula was a monarch, mm-hmm. right? He was a monarch before he became a vampire, so right. it came very natural to him. Well, yeah. his character was based on Vlad the Impaler, right? right. Yeah, yeah, so. right. right. True. Whereas Imhotep was. Um, uh, a high priest that fell in love and dared the wrath of the gods. Right. He he fell in love with the wrong person. Right. Uh, wrong person. You know, and, well, we don't know that it was her fault. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they paid the price. They paid the price. Exactly. Exactly. The mummy. Th- those were. That was an interesting moment in the Universal Monster things, in that uh, the mummy was kind of the redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He never appeared in any of the Monster Rally films. You know, yeah. House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, Evan Costello meet Frankenstein. But also the Mummy series, they're not sequels to the original Mummy. No. It's a it, different Mummy. Right, right, yeah. a different name. Yeah. Uh, here's the other thing, too, that I thought was right, interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as far as screen time in the original Mummy, and I suppose it's because Karloff became, you know, the, the phenom in the industry that he, that he was. Um there wasn't a lot of footage of him dressed up as the mummy. That's right. It was more Karloff as Emotep. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting because, you know, subsequent films after that, there was a lot more mummy in it. But did, oh, yeah. did Karloff become, like, that big off of just the Frankenstein movies? I mean... I don't I don't know if that's from uh, the size of his stardom mm-hmm. uh, as much as it was kind of an aesthetic choice by the by the director, okay. I, don't, I know that it was shot. They made they made him up head to toe in that makeup. It took like eight hours or five hours or something like that. I mean, that was yeah, it's some ridiculous amount of time. Made the suit no fly, so that was an agonizing day of shooting <laughs> for Karloff. But they, they they made him up head to toe, and they actually shot footage of him coming out of the sarcophagus, walking over to the young. Uh, uh, archaeologist driving him mad and leaving yeah. and all they did of that was you know all they kept in the movie was close up on his face the hand moving the hand reaching for the scroll and then the wrappings kind of going going away right so you know all of that agony <laughs> for you know, and as far as like the makeup on that I mean oh. it was uh, that was real makeup that, there was no masks there Jack was no Pierce like, Jack Pierce the great Jack Pierce yes 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 um, I was reading something, or maybe I was watching. Um, Strefan Taylor put out a great DVD about Jack Pierce, mm-hmm. NovemberFire.com, mm-hmm. for those of you who'd like to check it out. And um, I guess uh, you'd, you'd mentioned Lon Chaney was going to do Dracula. He passed away. Mm-hmm. Jack was doing makeup for Universal, and I guess he got away with the skin tone makeup for Dracula, but Lugosi was was very very uh adamant about doing his own makeup yeah and so jack didn't get that gig other than 
just the apply the the makeup for the face. It wasn't until Frankenstein that he got to apply his trade and oh, really, yeah. I mean that yeah. that makeup to me that when you think of the Frankenstein monster, iconic, it, it, right? Well, Frankenstein meets Wolfman. That's when Jack Pierce got his revenge on Bela Lugosi. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> oh true. yes, that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. wasn't Lugosi? Uh, going to play the Frankenstein monster? He was. He was lined up to right. play the Frankenstein monster. Now, legend has it that a, he turned it down because it was not a speaking role mm-hmm. and he didn't want to be under the makeup. Mm-hmm. That could be partially true, but the script he was also given did not have any of the kind of pathos built into it. Uh, the mm-hmm. monster was just this killing corpse he was just this killing machine mm-hmm. lumbering around so it's hard to say I did, all of these all of those things probably figured into his decision you know and probably mm. did major damage to his career Lugosi could not catch a break after Dracula he really well, yeah, couldn't Lugosi's so performance in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman as the monster was compromised as well right because Absolutely. originally the monster yeah. was supposed to be blind right mm. and spoke and, right. and they took his lines out too. Right. Yeah, but he was supposed to be blind in the studio. Said no, 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 he can't be blind. But they had already shot all these scenes where yep. Lugosi's kind of walking with his hands straight out, like he's feeling his way around. Right. And uh, so I, that's actually probably where like Definitely. the the Frankenstein sort of you know everybody thinks of Frankenstein you know the caricature right. of walking along with his arms out and all that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Oh, yeah. Uh, Karloff wow. never moved yeah. in that way. His movement. No, Karloff was very, very human. The yeah, way he moved. exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Glenn yeah. Strange mimicked that, and then every monster kid mimicked Glenn Strange. That's right. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with, with finishing off with Jack Pierce, because we're going to talk about the monsters, mm-hmm. not the maker of monsters. He did work with Lugosi again on White Zombie. Right. Yes, that's right. right. Yes, he did. So he was yes, able he to did. do the makeups on that, and that—that's. Right. Uh, it'll be for another podcast, but I've always had a problem with zombies and ghouls because at one point uh, in time, ghouls were zombies, and then the zombies became ghouls. One being flesh eating, <laughs> one being sure. Haitian. Yeah, that's another podcast. Oh, there, there's so. a topic for a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yeah, But uh, what I will just say that um, White Zombie is my favorite Lugosi performance. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's wonderful in Dracula, but that character of Murder Legendre in White Zombie is phenomenal. I, I was actually at one of Lord Blood Raw's live showings of that uh, oh, yes. film. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, part of the fun of going to, to some of these shows is it's one thing to watch it at home, even if you have a you know, 64-inch Dolby Digital, blah, 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 uh, in a shared environment with like-minded people and fans and, and just vibing off of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like a concert or any other kind of live Agreed. event. Yeah. These are just wonderful, wonderful opportunities. Well, just seeing it on a big screen. Oh, because yeah, because they were intended to be seen on the big screen. Yeah, yeah. We um, we're going to go over to uh, Chief Engineer Bob. Um, yeah. One of the things that uh, strikes me. Uh, oh, let's just get into it. Bob's a big fan of Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> When was the first time you saw the creature from the Black Lagoon, Bob? It had it to be on, on it had or? to be on Creature Features. Okay, Bob Wilkins, and uh, I've since, of course, seen it on the big screen. Was um, it three D or was it just? It was just flat. The show. Okay. The first time I saw it three D, I believe, was at the UC Berkeley Theater, and uh, they had a showing of it. But we did. 
back in, I want to say it was 2006, I believe. Mm-hmm. We did all three creature films through Bay Area film events at the Castro Theater. Mm. And we showed the first two in 3D, Creature and Revenge of the Creature, and then Creature Walks Among Us flat because it was never filmed in 3D. And those were the first times I saw real quality 3D prints of those movies. Because mm. these weren't the red and blue lens mm. type 3D. This was like the anamorphic or whatever 3D. And if you ever get a chance to see it that way, that's definitely the way to see it. And I think the uh, Universal Blu-ray, the Essentials package, has it 3D for you know those of you with 3D TVs. And that is a really good, really good 3D version. I think that's better than any other 3D movie I've seen on TV. Really? Just uh, the scene with the claw and the rock just mm. comes right out into your living room. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's really, you know, 3D movies that are shot 3D today, they don't want to be all gimmicky. So they don't th- do things like, you know, they're swimming underwater with a spear gun and it goes right into the screen, <laughs> you know. But the creature didn't go overboard in that it you know it did have things that come out of the screen bubbles come out of the screen and, and the things but it wasn't that sort of like coming at you you know right. shock type stuff it wasn't a three stooges yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> definitely and uh yeah that creature show we did we had julie adams who played the main actress in for the first film. in creature from black lagoon wow. we also had ben chapman who oh. wore the uh creature suit on the land rico browning was creature underwater mm-hmm. and um and yeah, they were really, you know, Julie Adams was one of the nicest people you ever want to meet. And uh, Ben Chapman is, was just a kick. I mean, he unfortunately passed away since then. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but then we also had a nice uh, opportunity to show it on the big screen at uh, AT&T Park after a Giants game on the scoreboard screen. And uh, cool. we had John Stanley, who was one of the Creature Feature hosts, host it. And uh, that was Really cool. Everybody got to come down and, you know, after the game, sit on the field, watch, watch the movie. Right. And um, probably the funniest thing, and this is a total side story, is I got a call from Greg Kinn, from the Greg Kinn Band. Uh-huh. And he was a DJ at the time on KFOX in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. And he's like, hey, I hear you're showing Creature from the Black Lagoon. He goes, do you need a host? <laughs> and I said, well... We've got John Stanley from Creature Features because this is Creature Features night at the Giants game. And then he said, well, I love Creature Features. Can I introduce John Stanley? (laughs) So I ended up introducing Greg Kinn, and Greg Kinn introduced John Stanley, and then John Stanley introduced the movie. But, um, but yeah, no, he wrote wrote a book. It was a horror show, novel, by Greg Kinn. Oh, Greg Kinn. Yeah, he's a big fan of this stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, any time I get a chance to show the creature... um, Anytime, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do it. Mm. Uh, we also did a show with uh, with Frank Woodward's uh, Men in Suits documentary, oh, yeah. and we paired that up re- with Revenge of the Creature with Lord Bloodra as one of the guests. Wow, and, was that uh, that show too? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, the creature, definitely, you know, I've got a little creature area in my basement with a pinball, the pinball machine and all. Definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. And um, even though it was only three movies, right. you know, it still made a big impression on me. I'm going to say something slightly controversial. Sure, sure. I you love hate, Creature you from the Black Lagoon. No, 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 Love Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh. Think it's an incredible film. I always, when I think of the classic Universal monsters, 
I never think of the creature from the Black Lagoon. And the only reason is mm-hmm. there's nothing supernatural mm-hmm. about the creature from the Black Lagoon. He's basically, he's a cryptid. Yeah. It's essentially yeah. what he is. He's yeah. kind of the the the, the underwater of version the of Bigfoot. I was going to exactly. say you're right. Exactly yeah. right, right. When I think of the classic Universal monsters, I always think of something supernatural or mad science mm-hmm. of the Universal monsters. I love the yeah. creature, and I think that that well, especially that first film yeah, is amazing. The creature's been lumped in with them, obviously, for marketing yeah, purposes. For marketing purposes. Exactly. But if you think about it again, too, I mean, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, that whole thing. Right. With Transylvania and you know sort of the European landscape, right. and you don't you never really know what time period this is. Oh yeah, because over there it seems very like okay, it could be like the 1800s or something. Mm-hmm. But in the Wolfman, when Lon Chaney comes in uh, as Lawrence Talbot, mm-hmm. he's from quote modern times. Right? You know, he's right. he's a guy from he's like the 40s. Yeah, he's you know. there to repair a telescope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So it's kind of like, where is this strange land? Yeah, you know? I love and, that about those. And films. yeah, so yeah. the creature being in the fifties right. was in the fifties, and it was taking place at that time. It was modern for the time, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so he never mixed it up with them. He never would have been. In a swamp in Transylvania or whatever. <laughs> Although he's really old, I, maybe. Maybe. Migrated, That's what but. I was thinking. Not yeah. that we know of. Not that <laughs> right. we've seen. Walker? But I, well, I was thinking the other day along the same lines here, because I was thinking the same thing as, as Lord Bloodraw, that, that Creature really is separate from the the original, more supernatural universal monsters. But if, if, if we want to play the what-if game, mm. if Universal had decided and gone full bore and established a new... Uh, a coterie of, of monsters, you know, I, I mean, when you sort of had like the mole people, but that didn't right. really take off, yeah. but you know, they could have gone the whole science route. You could have had, you know, this whole new group of monsters, maybe that were based off of radioactivity or whatever that would have taken the, the, the next step and been, you know, you could have had the creature as the anchor, just like maybe Frankenstein or whatever was the anchor, or the big brute guy. And then yeah. what would these other monsters, these humanoid monsters have been? Because we had plenty of big bugs and other stuff, but right. mm. what would the humanoid well, they sympathetic did, they monsters did all mix it up in Monster Squad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. But, yeah. ag- but again, it was like, yeah, you get the fish out of water, so to speak, right? Right. Yeah. He doesn't belong because he's right. not. Fish out of water, exactly. So you'd, you'd have Creature from the Black Lagoon, some form of Sasquatch, sure. right? Or a skunk ape or, you know, whatever. Right. You know. Well, if you're going with radiation as the catalyst, you could... Or, kind of or, semi fit the Invisible Man in there. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. 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 Some kind because of radiation or something. Yeah. 50, 50 foot, foot woman. woman. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. A blob. Jer- uh, Jersey yeah. Devil. Yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. We should do a thing on cryptozoology, actually. Yeah, we should. Actually. Uh, I, I, you know, amongst us, I have gone squatching. I don't know if anyone else has gone have squatching. Really? I actually spent the night in the Bigfoot Inn. Any luck? Nah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Had a Bigfoot steak at the Bigfoot Diner. That was <laughs> as close as you got. Yeah. You know, it's just Chewbacca, like, <laughs> scouting out locations. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a distant cousin. Right. <laughs> Walker, let me ask you. Uh, tell me something about the Wolfman. Tell you something about the Wolfman. Ow. Wolfman's ow. got nards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all know that. We all know that. Well, I think um, of all the monsters, I would say 
poor Larry Talbot, you yeah. know, he's the most sympathetic, right? I agree. Because mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, he just, uh, after he finds out that he's the wolf man, he simply wants to die. It's, right? it's, yep. He's on some sort of horrible assisted suicide quest. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, it's, it's Lon Chaney Jr.'s, uh, best role. You know, it's mm. the one, um, that he would tell everybody was, you know, that's his baby. And he was, um, really, uh, excited about and really the one he seemed to care the most about. And, and I think you have also in the, the first Wolfman, um, initially, as, as far as I understand, there was also the idea in the initial script, um, that it could have all been in his mind that Talbot might have been oh, thinking right. he was a wolf man and we wouldn't that. necessarily uh, know if he, he was or wasn't. But then when they decided, oh, we're going to do the full makeup and everything, then it was pretty much, oh, yeah, he's a wolf man. Um, they kind of reprised I, that idea in Abbott and Costello, uh, you know, because it's like Abbott didn't quite believe that he was the wolf man. Oh, yeah. When I he mean, called and he's like, well, yeah. you stop barking at me. Sorry, Walker. I didn't mean to. No. Go off on the side. <laughs> Couldn't finish your thoughts. Sorry. No, but I think I like that concept, and I think if you watch the movie, there's still some some uh, elements of that where you kind of question his sanity at certain times. Uh, that maybe you know maybe he isn't turning into something, but the fact that we see the transformations mm-hmm. pretty much sells it. And I, I do really um, love the makeup. I love the transformations, the moodiness of it all. Oh, yeah. And and you could argue that they have some of the best, uh, supporting actors in that, oh, uh, yeah. especially mm-hmm. Maria Ospenskaya. I just mm-hmm. love and adore oh, her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Lugosi so, in a small Bella, part. I was going to say, yes, was in there too. Very short, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't get to say a whole lot, but as, uh, Maliva's, uh, son, of yeah. course, bites, uh, Larry and right. starts this whole thing. Actually, I think uh, also wound up. Uh, he was the one who attacked Larry's brother, which is what brings Larry back to. Uh, right. It's Wales, but they never say Wales mm. out loud. Mm. And uh, just kind of a, an odd uh, situation where we're supposed to believe that this big burly Lon Chaney Jr. is actually an Englishman who's been <laughs> over in America for a while. <laughs> And Claude Rains, little Claude Rains is his father. But, you know, it's okay. We'll go with it. I, I have to say something. All these years, I never thought about that, Walker. <laughs> it just now made me think, oh, the, oh, my God, that's true. He just ruined the film for you. <laughs> oh, once again, Walker. No, just the thing kidding. that always amazed me about the Wolfman, especially his first transformation, is that he, be, he turns from meek, mild Larry Talbot into a raging beast and still has it in his mind that he changes his clothes and yeah. has the nice slacks and the shirt on yep. as he goes off into yep. the countryside. And That's right. That's right. Still neat in the scouts. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did want to ask you, I've got two questions I wanted everybody to, uh, to throw out to everybody. And one of them, I'm going to wind up because the conversation has gone this direction. I'm, I'll, I'll reverse, <laughs> reverse the order I had in mind. Um, the first thing, since we're on the Wolfman, of course, the Wolfman is the only one of the original monsters that was only played by one actor. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Jr., true. only person to play the Wolfman. Is there anybody, put on your what-if foil hats, guys, uh-huh. is there anybody else in that whole 1940s time era of universal films that you think could have played a good Wolfman. And then I'll ask my second question after you guys go around. I would say 
Wolfman, yes. Talbot, no. Mm. I don't think anyone else could have played Larry Talbot as well as Lon Chaney Jr. did. That's a good point. You can slap that Wolfman makeup on anybody and they can run around the countryside, but to garner the sympathy and the pathos that Lon Chaney Jr. did with his portrayal of Lawrence Talbot, I don't think he could do it. I don't even think like a Karloff could pull that off. It would be interesting to see Karloff try and pull that off. Well, Karloff was originally thought of for the Wolfman. Oh, really? That's yeah. right. At the very beginning, was originally huh. said I wasn't going to do it. Wow. You know, I'm going to say no. I, I can't. I mean, if you go outside of the Universal films, maybe like a Paul Muni or someone like that, or mm-hmm. um, maybe. No. I, I, lit, I cannot picture anyone else playing either the Wolfman or Larry Talbot. Huh. Mm-hmm. Just because of the physicality yeah. of it, you need a big guy to be an imposing Wolfman. You know? Well, it's, uh, you know, for me, I just love, I love werewolf movies mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. general. And I really think that the other actor who pulled off being a werewolf well, or the best, mm-hmm. was Michael Landon. Oh. And, I, and I was a teenage werewolf. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you think of it, oh, I was a teenage werewolf, cheap 50s AIP movie. But no, man, you look at that thing and you watch that movie. And his, because, you know, he's not, he's not sympathetic like a Lawrence Talbot, but he's a troubled teen yeah. going yeah. through, you know, all the problems of, you know, his mother's gone, dead, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's being just raised by a single parent father. And, you know, he's getting in fights in school, and he's got all these problems. They're sending him to a psychiatrist. Never go to Whitbissell if you have to go to a psychiatrist. <laughs> but he goes to a psychiatrist. And, you know, this, it just I think his, and considering that was his first role, yeah. I, mean, I thought yeah. that was amazing. Yeah, so, true. you know, yeah, give me Michael Landon and Lon Chaney Jr. Hormones and a curse sure. doesn't and, mix uh, well. Werewolves, yeah. werewolves yeah. are full. Well, it's... I'm trying to remember now. It's been a while since I've seen that film, but uh-huh. it's not a curse, right? With uh, I was a oh, teenage, the teenage. You know, it's just scientifically this, induced by the psychiatrist rage. through yeah, this right. chemical yeah. he had and hypnosis. Yeah, and so yeah. he injected him with a with a chemical and hypnotized him and then brought him back to his primal yeah. state, which we you all would think would be an ape, people, right? right? You know? Yeah, exactly. But no, a it's wolf. a werewolf, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, it's definitely not, you know, yeah. a curse or he was never bitten by a werewolf yeah, yeah. and the people he bit or killed or whatever never became I'm still trying to wrap my head around Karloff as Talbot. What do you no. mean, curse? Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Although I would buy him as, uh, well, uh, the age differences would probably be yeah. weird. I could yeah. buy him almost more as uh, uh, Claude Rains' son. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And, yeah, and the, the English ocean. look. He looks like yeah. he's from Welsh. Yeah. What do you I, think, Larry? Gonna I'm going gonna, gonna to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Peter Laurie just because I like the way he sounds. <laughs> but could he be sympathetic? He's not too guy. physically imposing, though. No, no, yeah. He'd be more just... like a rat man. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, a, a, a little furry Peter Laurie coming at you <laughs> on a moonlit night? That's scary. That's scary. That's yeah. Abbott and Costello meets the uh, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, the rat man. That's right. That's right. Um, and, you know, I was just going to add the, yeah. the amazing thing about the original Wolfman film. Mm-hmm is you watch that film and you think, oh, okay, this is from old Eastern European legend. Kurt Siodmak made 
all of that up. That's really all of it. None of none of it comes Mm. from original folklore. I mean, there were there were werewolves in folklore, Uh but it was a thing where you had to become a were you had to want to become a werewolf, and there was a a satanic ritual that you would go through and you so know, no wolf's bane no moon no, and by silver wolf, bullet no. none of that none of that Kurt Siebeck invented all of it well, it's, ama- yeah, well it's amazing that that America. carried through so many werewolf movies oh, that yeah. followed yeah yeah huh well yeah. Let me ask my second part of my question for you guys. Yes, then. that was a very good question. Yes, by the way. thank you. And, and I would thank encourage you. listeners to put down your thoughts on our uh, blogspot page. Uh, who would you uh, envision of that classic uh, list of actors playing Talbot and/or the Wolfman? Go ahead, Walker. So now it's sort of a, a reversal because we also just talked about. Uh, Bela Lugosi playing Frankenstein. We know there were four actors mm-hmm. who played the Frankenstein monster. Mm-hmm. Now, other than Boris Karloff, because I believe you all have good taste, <laughs> which which other actor is your favorite Frankenstein monster? Or if you really want to say somebody other than Karloff, go ahead. Be- before we get into that, I'd like to know what Karen's answer was to the Talbot Wolfman. Oh yes. Question. I I honestly I'm like uh, Bob. I think I could see a number of actors who could um, pull off the Wolfman. Uh huh. But I I just can't imagine anybody uh, doing Larry Talbot. Mm. He's just he's so you know so sad. He's mm-hmm. so tormented. Right. And I I tried to think of uh, different actors from that time period, and especially ones who had been in uh, in Universal films. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know. I, I just couldn't come up with anybody who could really do both. So I think I think that role, he just owns it, and yeah. that's all there is to it. All right. Lionel Atwill, maybe? No. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going back to our favorite Frankenstein monster? So, so other, yeah, so, uh, yeah. so which Bella? Frankenstein? Well, wasn't it, wasn't it Jack Pierce that... His favorite to make up was actually Glenn Strange. Yeah, I, I believe so. I don't. I, I know that he, he thought, collaborated he thought Glenn with Strange Karloff. had the perfect physical features in his face to be the monster, yeah. even mm-hmm. more so than a Karloff or anyone else. I'd mm-hmm. heard that. I'd heard that. But, yeah. I mean, you got to say Karloff was the best. But oh, yeah. so yeah. aside from Karloff, then. yeah. Well. You know, you go, we can go back. Others. You can go back to Lon Chaney Jr. and Ghost of Frankenstein. He was quite good um, in that. I'm yeah. sticking with Peter Lorre. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think... Uh, well, for my, mine, good. <laughs> mine's always Fred Gwynn. But... Uh, ah. <laughs> of no, the I monsters. Mean, really, it's like... I think Lugosi... You can't really count Lugosi because his portrayal of the monster was compromised, yeah. as we talked yeah. about before. Yeah. So what would his portrayal... Would it, what would have it been like if he had dialogue... Or he wasn't supposed to be blind, and he was just acting like mm-hmm. the monster. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's rough because I mean, Glenn Strange. It's like, okay, is Glenn, was Glenn Strange portrayal was that a good portrayal, or was it just sort of a conglomeration of Frankenstein's up until then? Yeah, you know, mm. that he just carried it on, almost like uh, you know. A generic Frankenstein. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah. 
I, I, I liked his portrayal. I mean, you know, he, I saw the original Frankenstein, but I loved and love Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. That to me is just oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, yeah you yeah, know. And yeah. maybe it's the guys that are kind of vibing off off Frankie and uh, yeah. and Drac and stuff. Well, but uh, yeah, I think for me, I go with Strange yeah. after Karloff just because of mostly the aesthetics. Just yeah. I think he looks the most like the way the monster should look because for me I mean Bela just looks dreadful to me. <laughs> yeah, and, no, face and, is and way the, too round. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the same kind of with uh Cheney. I mean, he's just got this like too thick brawler too thick. kind of look. I want a more cadaverous monster, so that's just just my two cents. Well, what about what about appearance versus portrayal though? Yeah, uh, well, they're all pretty much brainless after a certain point. Uh, you know, they're getting hit by lightning so many times. And, <laughs> you know, even by Son of Frankenstein, you start to see the, the brain damage with Karloff. Right. You know, so. Right. Yeah. Um, he starts to, to lose any personality after a while. Hmm. I guess he's still got a little in Ghost of Frankenstein. And then you, you get the brain transfer with Igor. Right. Um, I don't know. I'll still probably go with Strange. So is Igor Frankenstein through all the rest of the films? Igor, yeah, Igor is the yeah. monster after um, Ghost of Frankenstein. Ghost, yeah. no. That's yeah. why he was supposed to speak in Lugosi's voice. That's why the cast right. Lugosi supposed to speak in Lugosi's voice and also be blind because science. Because the blood <laughs> types didn't match and they didn't feed the optical uh, nerves. Wow. Science. Okay. So... That's why I just thought it was because he speak. landed in a sulfur pit. <laughs> well, that didn't help. <laughs> but being, you know, talking about those holy grails of lost films, all of those scenes with Lugosi speaking as the monster were shot. Hmm. Where they are now, yeah. if there are any out there, who knows? I hold out hope that it might be found. But, oh, yeah. that would be cool. Yeah. I got to say, in Ghost of Frankenstein, Cheney was probably given the most to do of any other actor who played the monster because he expresses desires, he expresses wants. Um, There's the scene where he gets the little girl and wants her brain in his Mm. head instead of (laughs) Igor's brain. Mm. I've got got a couple of controversial theories about Igor and the monster, too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But... um, he does things for. We'll leave that for. <laughs> we'll yes. leave that for Planet Eight after dark. Yeah. There you go. Right, yeah. But I'm, I'm going to say Cheney because I think that um, mm-hmm. Ghost of Frankenstein was probably the last film in which the monster was an actual character and wasn't just a lumbering robot. Because all the other films, it seems like they're just trying to fix him. Mm-hmm. You know, the monster's yeah. sick, we need to get him up to full strength, and they get him up to full strength, he's there for five minutes, and then the movie ends, right? Yeah. So, yeah. true. I'm going to say Cheney. All right. Good answers. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you guys this. Yes. Uh, we touched on Dracula, mummy, creature, right. Frankenstein. Yeah. Wolfman, other classic Universal monster. We're gonna have to talk yeah. about the Invisible Man. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> That's well, probably my enthusiastic. least my least favorite of all. Is it really? Yeah, oh. and I don't know why. I was never into the Invi- Invisible Man films. In fact, when all the DVD sets were coming out, 
I bought all except for The Invisible Man. Because I thought it was more... Or did you buy it and it's just invisible? Uh, oh. <laughs> no, I just... Uh, I don't know. I, I, th- I always thought it was more of a gimmick than anything else. Well, it's definitely Maybe like the original, fiction. Yeah. The original yeah. film, yes. But then all the sequels just oh, got yeah. real silly and whatever. So yeah. I mean, that could be said about some of the Frankenstein sequels, oh, he's too. A, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but and the mummy. to the extreme. But no, I was just never into the Invisible Man character. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I love the original Invisible Man. And the Invisible Man returns with Vincent Price. That was his first uh, horror performance, really. Really? Was in, yeah. Was in oh. The Visible Man Returns was the first is huh. first touching on you yeah. know, horror themes. Um, yeah, The Visible Man, really fun film. Amazing special effects. Oh, yeah. Um, only touched on some of the motifs of the original novel. Well, if you want to talk about that, Frankenstein didn't touch on much of the original novel. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it overall. But then again, what, is he? Was he a monster? Right. Was he a monster? I, I don't know. He was he definitely was a, a lunatic. He was a lunatic. He was a lunatic. Yeah. Well, it's like creature from the Black Lagoon. It's not really a monster. It's just this, yeah. you're taking this thing out of its habitat, and you yeah. know. Yeah, he was a he was an, uh, a mad drug addict, a mad invisible drug addict, is what he was. Yeah, when you when you boil him down, and then they you know screwed him up chemically. Yeah, right. Made him worse. I mean, it's like, yeah. Karen? Well, you know, I I like the first one. It's probably another one of those properties that when they tried to milk it, you've got diminishing returns. Um, The first one is great. There's a lot of, 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 you know, amazing for the time. The effects were amazing. Um, Some classic scenes. You know, and I was thinking about the effects, too, um, in these films. And, of course, now, you know, people look at them and say, oh, look at that. It's obviously a, you know, miniature castle or this, that or the other. But as a kid, you know, you watch these movies and you're just like glued to the screen. And uh, if I'm if you guys don't mind me digressing a little bit here. Not at all. um, I was. Just thinking the other day, because uh, I was rewatching some of these films, and uh, I, I remember when the, uh, you know, before when Universal milked us before for a box set that, uh, what was it, oh, the Blu-rays that came out, or yeah. whichever set, I, I, I forget. I Laser know, discs. I, you know, I've bought so many sets, but I hadn't yeah. seen, uh, I hadn't seen Frankenstein meets the Wolfman in, in years, you know, and I was really excited, oh, I'm going to watch Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, and I had all these memories of that, you know, the fight and all the other stuff in it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. And I put it in and there's that in the beginning where, uh, you know, uh, Talbot turns into the wolf man and he's running around the town and he's sneaking behind these crates and he attacks this police officer. And in my mind, I still had my like eight-year-old memory of like, oh my God, he climbs to this huge pile of crates and he leaps down and he insults this police officer. (laughs) Well, in reality, he kind of hops on top of this one crate that's about two feet high and then he kind of hops off and he jumps behind this guy. (laughs) And I'm watching this and I'm like, what the hell, did I miss something? I rewind it, I go back, I'm like, oh, okay. And you... You know, and then we get to the lab fight, and you know, it's sort of like, oh, they're kind of rolling on the floor. Okay, the water came, it's over. And, yeah. and 
it wasn't like it was disappointing because I still enjoyed it and everything. But you realize, like, now you go and you watch some of these movies. It's just like we saw a movie the other night. And I won't say what it was. Maybe it was something really awful, like The Rock's latest film. Anyway, <laughs> um, but the CGI and stuff that they do, every human being is beyond superhuman oh. and they're like jumping 500 feet and they're doing all these things and so we're like conditioned to see all these insane stunts and stuff you know and now we go i go back and watch one of these movies and it's sort of like oh the wolfman hopped two feet well, <laughs> you know that one in the lab fight the one shot that always got me and still to this day i'm impressed is when Wolfman is on top of that one piece of machinery yeah. and Frankenstein grabs it and tips it and you know he falls off. That was actually a great stunt, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When's the last time you saw the film, Bob? No, just kidding. Very recently. <laughs> I watch these all the time. No, but, yeah, uh, no, that shot works. That shot works yeah. pretty well, yeah. 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 Well, they, I mean, obviously they're all on wires or whatever, but it's like, yeah. you know. But I mean, it's, it's still, it's very it's still cool magical, scene. but no, it's no, just kind yeah, of Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, you go back and you see some of the stuff and you're like, you know, eh, it's, oh, but but for me, I'll, I'll always love them because they're in my heart and it's stuff oh, I yeah. grew up with, yeah. you know. Well, and I don't really want to see somebody go back and, like, do a Van Helsing again. That was oh, so, all right. so Well, um, I mean. Or hopefully they don't go in and CGI and fix up, quote unquote, yeah. scenes. And then it's like, oh, you know, okay, well, CGI uh, Karloff doing this or Cheney yeah. doing that. It's like, no, just... Well, I was always just so amazed that... I mean, everybody wants their Avengers. Everybody wants their mm-hmm. film franchise. And Universal did it. Yes. You know, 70, 80 years they ago. They did it. Right. Yeah. You know, and so it just amazed me that they couldn't do it again. And they, they kicked it off with a really bad mummy oh. movie with uh, Tom yeah. Cruise and just shot themselves right in the foot. And they didn't realize, well, okay, it was a crummy movie. Let's get one of the other ones out there. But, I mean, the one Wolfman with uh, Del Toro Toro. was good. I that film. That would have been a perfect one to kick off from. Yes. But not this mummy thing. Yeah, no, no, no. And, yeah, it just makes me think that nobody involved in Universal Studios today ever saw any of those movies. Right. Because they're saying, you know, the the entire premise was, well, we're going to build... A monster universe just like Marvel's universe. It's like, no, Marvel <laughs> built their universe years after Universal built their monster well, universe. And see, people have to give Kevin Feige, Feige yes. credit because he has orchestrated this yes. thing from the get-go. Right. And he has a love and a passion for the characters, for right. the genre, for the <laughs> books, the right. source material. And there's a reverence. And look, a lot of fanboys have tried to do a lot of, and I'm thinking Jack Snyder off the top of my head, tried to do justice to some properties out there, mm-hmm. and they, you know, had varying degrees of success. Yeah. And I think the same thing with with the Universal Monsters. I still haven't seen that Dracula uh, film that came oh, out where I they did. tried to make him into a super yeah. hero or a hero kind of person. That's the yes. problem. They're trying to make all the monsters into superheroes. It's yeah, kind of- I, you know. Uh, I'm with Karen, though. You, you, you watch something like from your youth, and, and this happened to me with the Star Trek animated series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. comes on Sundays. Yes. <laughs> and I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, wow, this really stinks. I mean, the dialogue, <laughs> the stories are great, but yeah. 
it's just the it's it's like watching those Marvel cartoons. It's the yeah, same beyond limited little, animation. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I love those Marvel cartoons. Let me tell you, oh, I, I love them too, but <laughs> they're a little hard to watch. It's it's yeah. good as background noise, but yeah. Well, going back to what you said about uh, the original Universal films, kind of being like a world out of time. You, know, right. you don't oh, yeah. know what time period you're in or what country you're in or whatever. That is exactly what Universal is missing in trying mm-hmm. to launch. They're, they they feel they've got to do it in the modern age, or mm-hmm. the kids aren't going to relate. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they they don't realize that the magic in that is it's some far off world and land where this stuff exists, and this and it can work happens. today. We were it talking work about today. Incredibles too. They don't give you any reference to whether it's taking now. 20 years ago, 20 years from sure, now. Sure, it, it just, it works, you know? There was an amazing series on Showtime uh, that I'm blanking on what it was called. <laughs> what was it? Uh, Penny Dreadful. Oh, oh Penny oh, Dreadful. Yeah. Yes. That was very good. That's how you do the Universal Monsters. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And they did it right there. They laid it out for Universal. Here, here you go. This well, is what it should look like. You can't tell me with people going crazy over like Game of Thrones mm-hmm. that you couldn't have a monster universe with castles easy, and you easy. know yeah. countrysides and whatever. You know? right. We we need to bring Lord Bloodraw back for a uh, Penny Dreadful. Uh, oh, glad lasted all of three seasons. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a graphic novel or a comic. Yes, book there is. That they tried to yes, and I haven't gotten that yet. But okay. um, oh, I have to get that. Oh yeah. my! I mean, if you guys haven't seen it, start watching the episodes oh. now. So when we finally do the podcast, you can catch up. <laughs> it's done in the Victorian yes period. Mm-hmm. So there's no castles or or anything like that. Right. But my God, I mean, they just brought everyone in. They brought that. everyone in, and and it was very organic and yes. and. Uh, Anyway, wonderful cool. show, wonderful show. But that's how you do yeah. it. That's, that's, that's how stuff. you do it. I agree. I have a question for you guys. Yes, sir. Frank. I know we're talking about the unit. Well, first of all, Frankenstein. I think we can all agree that the monster Frankenstein mm-hmm. has the best character arc of mm-hmm. any of the characters in the Universal True. monster films. You can True. follow him from creation through his apex in uh, Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. where he's the most mm-hmm. intelligent most functional to his slow descent into just a, a shambling Igor yeah right exactly <laughs> yeah. into a shambling right you know Hulk um, what is your favorite non-universal adaptation of Frankenstein mm. either just a Frankenstein oh. movie or of mm. the original Frankenstein mm-hmm. film wow. uh, any Mungo you know, there was actually... Uh, <laughs> and Bob goes. Well, I mean, everybody's silent, so yeah. someone has to talk. Go, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Might as well be me. Um, there was an amazing made-for-TV adaptation. Yes. And it was a, a two-parter, right? So it was pretty long, because I think the whole thing is like three hours or something, because I think it was like two... Okay, you're not, think, you're not talking about the one I'm thinking of, but go ahead. I was thinking of Frankenstein, The True Your Story. story. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And I'm, yes. I'm pretty sure it was like on two nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was two... So where they had the body parts boiling in a oh, yeah. tub yes. of water or right, something, right, and right. Carradine uh, played the monster, right? Paladale, yeah. Um, James Mason. Was it James Mason? Is in it. Oh, you're James right, Mason you're right. Okay. But, I mean, that was, you know... Is to that, that point, DVD that ball? was the, mm-hmm. you know, I think it is. It is that, um, yeah. Um, and to that point, I think that was the truest adaptation of 
there as he started novel. to decay and stuff. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and he's not really a, a monster per se. Yeah. You know, he's just, he's, he was reanimated by dead parts, but then, you know, things start going wrong and he's, yeah. you know, yeah. decaying and things. But, uh, I thought, you know, that always stuck out in my mind as, as, a, as a good adaptation. Walker? Hmm. Well, since I'm the, the comic book nut, uh-huh. um, Frankenstein Jr. <laughs> I was, well, no, she, I know where Buzz. she's going. <laughs> Come on, Buzz. Going. You think you know where I'm going. Ah. Um, there was a, a uh, graphic novel put out a, a couple of years ago by Dark Horse called Frankenstein Underground. Okay, yeah. Ooh. And it was by Mike Mignola, the guy who does uh, Hellboy, Hellboy, and an artist mm. called uh, Ben Stenbeck. And my memory is not this good. I had to actually do a quick lookup. I actually I did a review of this a couple of years ago on our old Bronze Age Babies blog. Um, but it, it's, it's a really cool story about... Uh, the Frankenstein monster having to go rescue some people in a basically, you know, if you um, have ever read any stuff about like, uh, oh, like underground civilizations, uh, people living under the earth, that kind of thing. He finds this civilization underground and there's all these Cthulhu type cultists. Ooh. And so it's not really an adaptation of the novel, but um I just I was fascinated with it. It is just a beautiful work of comic art and a great story. So mm-hmm. um, it probably doesn't really answer your question because when I think of, of uh, <laughs> movies and things, I, I don't no, I can't come up with anything to match up to uh, to the universal one in my mind. So that's, no, comic, that'll be my comic adaptations are perfectly viable. Yeah, I, I thought she was going to go with the classic Marvel uh, Frankenstein. Well, Nothing really beats oh. Mike Plug. If you can get Mike Plugart on a comic, and especially no. a horror comic, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll thumbs up on that. Yeah, yeah. I because uh, I was thinking just uh, it, it, with with Karloff being as iconic. You know, when people think Frankenstein's monster, they think Karloff. Yeah. If I think of a comic book version, it's it's that Marvel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they're a zombie. Monster you know, the Marvel zombie. Oh, it's like yeah. boom. That's you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm going over in my head. The Bride, uh, Sting was in it, and I, I can't think of the name of the actor. It was a Frankenstein. That was a good story, but not so good for the monster. Um, what was the one that um... Andy Warhol, <laughs> <laughs> which has one of my favorite movie lines ever, and, and this is a family podcast, so I can't say. <laughs> Plan- uh, Planet Aid After Dark. I think yes. Robert De Niro did a good job. Uh, um, it was an interesting take. He's he's playing the flute in the cave, and, and I can't remember who he's talking to, but he's wondering, am I the creation playing the flute, or is it the brain that my creator gave me right. that's playing the flute, or is it the left hand right. that it belonged to someone else, or the right yeah. hand? How can I, I do this? Yeah, I, I will never know. If it's me or them or us or what, mm-hmm. that was really interesting. But mm-hmm. by far, besides uh, Karloff, my favorite Frankenstein is always going to be Young Frankenstein. Oh, oh yeah, Peter Boyle. To me, Peter Boyle. Oh my God, just I I love that. Uh, that is a yeah. really good one. That exactly. Really good wow. One. Oh, smoke. It's good. Good. <laughs> wow. 
And I can always bring up Frankenstein Conquers the World. There I was you go. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That great War the Gargantuas connection, right? Right. right? right, yeah. That was a good question. So I got to say my favorite. The reason mm-hmm. I. <laughs> I was going to say, was there, was there anything left for blood you? Rock. <laughs> uh, back in the seventies, Dan Curtis, who did uh, Dark Shadows, Dark Shadows, did a series of late night movies. Mm-hmm. He did Dracula. He did uh, Dark Shadows, Mister Hyde, and he did a version of Frankenstein huh. with an actor named Bo Svensson. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. As, oh, yeah. Okay, I remember as the monster. Yeah. And I recently saw it again. It's on Amazon video, on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. okay. And I recently saw it again. I remember loving it uh, when I saw it, but I was a kid. It was years ago that I'd seen it. His portrayal of the monster is one of the most heartbreaking, touching. Uh, it, it He's never frightening, like the original Frankenstein, mm-hmm. like Carlos Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. He's never all of that, all that frightening, but he is so touching. And his performance, I can only describe it as a dramatic Herman Munster. Hmm. Because, hmm. Not in the look or anything, and the look is nothing like Carlos Frankenstein or Herman Munster, but mm-hmm. he always has this childlike little like kind of screwed up grin on his face like like Herman does, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, but instead of being that childlike, he's plotting things to do to his master or he's just trying to communicate with someone and trying to reach out and trying to be loved by someone. It is fantastic. I, I, I believe it's been released on DVD. I'm pretty sure. I know it's on Amazon. I'm going to check Dan that Curtis's out. But Dan Frankenstein is really wonderful. Do, Jeff, do they have the Dracula and the other stuff on there too? Do you know or just a friend? I haven't found it there. I've got Dan Curtis's Dracula on DVD, okay, which is pretty good. Jack Palance makes a pretty good Dracula, pretty oh. imposing mm-hmm. Dracula. Yeah, All right. yeah. but uh, no, that Frankenstein is really. I highly recommend I'll it. Check I really it out. enjoyed it. Yeah. And now, yeah, as a bonus, I mean, I, I love uh, Young Frankenstein, but yes. we were talking about Penny Dreadful. Yes, that portrayal of the monster. Um, I, I can't even like speak to yeah. to yeah. how fantastic and diverse and and all the emotions of love hate disdain right. uh, acceptance uh, uh, that person did it justice and you can't beat that entrance oh <laughs> man <laughs> we rory will do kinnear. a penny okay. what's that walker rory kinnear rory, yes, rory kinnear, kinnear. Yeah. Rory kinnear. We, yeah. we will have to do a penny dreadful oh wow. uh, yeah. podcast yeah. maybe that'll that be our was, christmas episode uh, any last thoughts? Any last comments? Okay, this is the point in our podcast where we usually have our sensor sweep, but because we have our special guest with us today, Lord Blood Raw, we want to give you an opportunity to share with the audience. Uh, Web page, uh, Twitter, Facebook, upcoming shows. Um, you, you have a, a very strong presence on uh this thing that they have on planet Earth called a television. Uh, why don't you go ahead and and share with us and plug some of uh, how how can we find you? Well, yeah, television's a, a primitive uh, form of entertainment <laughs> at best. But uh, I would invite everyone to check out Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rack and Theater. Uh, it's my syndicated TV series in which I present the best, worst, and wildest horror and science fiction films ever made. Uh, you can uh, the best way to find it is to go to lordbloodraw.com l o r d b l o o d r a h.com 
go to the TV schedule and you can check out the various streaming options and uh, TV stations that you can that you can catch that on. Uh, yeah, check out the website and look around, and there are various other things on there too you might find interesting. As far as live shows go, it's very fortuitous. We're talking about uh, <laughs> Universal horror films. I, uh, as a matter of fact, this is my tenth year in a row of doing shows at the Chenard Winery mm. in Castro Valley, California. As a matter of fact, that's the very first place I ever presented a horror film. That's oh. the birthplace of Lord Bloodraw, so to speak. And um, this year, the 2018 season is the tenth season. And coming up September 1st, Saturday, September 1st, I am showing the original Dracula and the original Frankenstein. Fantastic. In a double feature. And uh, these are really great, unique events because it's outdoors. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doors open at 6 o'clock. The show isn't until like 8.30 or dark because it's outside. Pack a picnic. Bring it in. Uh, You can uh, taste and purchase award-winning wines. Enjoy your wine with your picnic. And then we launch into the show. So they're very unique and fun, uh, fun shows to do. Great. Yeah. What if you never drink wine? Ah. <laughs> You'll start that <laughs> night. These are, good, these are good enough to make an exception for, yes. Right. There are other options there for you. <laughs> yes. um, okay, let me um, ask as far as like conventions or anything coming up. Uh, well, we just uh, had our seventh uh, Creatures Con, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a roaring success. And uh, we'll be back next year. We're um, we're thinking probably in the same venue. We're not quite sure. Okay. Plans are still being made for the 2019 uh, Creatures Con. But um, it's for those of you who don't know, it's a convention dedicated to classic and camp horror and science fiction films, horror hosts, and horror hosts and monster kid culture. And um, over the years, because this is our, well, 2019 will be our uh, eighth year of doing Mm -hmm. it, we've developed quite a few uh, interesting um, features of the convention. It's a unique convention in that we we really emphasize the programming and the shows that happen on the stage. Right. Uh, This last year, as a matter of fact, in 2017, I was lucky enough to interview Caesar from the Planet of the Apes while we were in... uh, Celebrating the 50th anniversary of Planet of the Apes. Right. Um, but our ongoing features are Mega Chiller Theater, mm-hmm. in which we take a classic horror film and a whole host of horror hosts present it. So it's essentially a late night movie with a number of horror hosts instead of just one horror host presenting it. Right. And uh, we've also resurrected something that Bob Wilkins created called the Monster Movie Quiz. And that, that's, yeah. And we do that live on stage. It's uh, basically a, a panel game show. We have celebrities up on the stage, and we test their knowledge of classic horror and science fiction. And uh, at the end of the thing, they pick names out of a hat of audience members, and the audience members get the uh, get the prizes. It's a lot of fun. And, of course, John Stanley is back as the uh, expert, as, as Bob had him in the original. And uh, it's, it's very fun, and we're hoping to add more, more regular features as uh, Creatures Con progresses. Right, right. And I, I you know, I recommend you guys take a chance uh go out there uh see the shows follow lord blood raw um you know there's a whole bunch of good stuff going on uh throughout the year so um we appreciate all of you listening to us uh this has come to the conclusion of this podcast the transmission is brought to you by the fine folks over at no just kidding (laughs) we don't have any sponsors yet 
Um, no, but seriously, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, share this with your friends. Share it with your family. Uh, if you want to find us out on the webs, the interwebs, you can go to planetatepodcast.blogspot.com. Um, you can be involved with this podcast. The conversation continues. Give us comments. Give us ideas. Give us, uh, you know, questions and, and so forth. Um, you can also find us on Twitter, PlanetateCast, or on Facebook at Facebook Planetate Podcast. We appreciate you guys. Be good to each other. Be safe. And until we see you again, this is Planetate signing off and transmission. And so, until we meet again, may all your nightmares have happy endings in the final reel. Good night, and sleep well.